Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Thank you for being with us again today. Delighted to be with you as we look at building a 500 million real estate company from the ground up. Chris Grinzig is the founder of JAG Capital Partners, a vertically integrated multifamily investment firm based out of Jacksonville, Florida. JAG has six properties totaling more than $25 million in value, and they have worked on a portfolio of more than $300 million in his passive, in his, I mean, his previous work at Torah Real Estate Partners. So, Chris, take us into the show and share an experience that helped make you who you are today. Yeah, for sure. So, thanks for having me. Uh, I guess, you know, when you told me about the question, my mind went to experience I had in college. So, I played Division One soccer at Hofstra University up in Long Island, New York, where I'm born and raised. So, only been in Jacksonville less than two years. But anyway... I was probably pretty fortunate to get into that program. Didn't play much the first two years, had some sub appearances my third year. You know, I debated about going to a a lower program or not, but decided to to stick it out. And I think one of the things that I decided to do going into my fourth year over the summer was stay around school. This is about 45 minutes from where I was living with my parents at the time and decided to stay all summer. Partially for fun, but mostly a group of the guys on the team were going to train and get ready for the new season. So for about a three-month period, we trained two to three times a day, stuck to a schedule and really grinded it out. And it was probably the first time I gave pretty close to 100% of what I could to committing to being a collegiate athlete, if not, you know, even before that played at a decently high level for club soccer, because high school soccer doesn't really mean much. And it was just, you know, training session by training session, day by day, you know, continually getting a little bit better every single day, doing all the right things, but really putting together a plan for, you know, a period of time and then kind of seeing all that come together uh, and then being able to kind of see the outcome of that work come to fruition during that season where I think I started like half the games and played in the other half, which is not anything crazy by any means, but was a, I'll say a fairly substantial jump from what had been my experience previously to then. And I look back and I wish I would have obviously done that a whole lot sooner, but it kind of just showed me that, you know, putting together a plan for a longer period of time and breaking it down into incremental steps can more easily get you to the outcomes you're looking for than just a hope and a prayer. Interesting story, Chris, and thanks for sharing that with us. I'm curious as to what happened between that junior and uh, senior year that obviously provoked a mind shift in you from just being a, I I don't know, this probably isn't the right word, but a ho-hum player to being an excellent player. I would say it was, you know, the impending end for, you know, we were, I'll say quasi professionals, right? We weren't, you know, we were going to school, but it was really a few hours a day doing some homework, you know, a large part of our time day in and day out, especially in season is 
towards the team. You know, it's probably four to six hours a day, if not more, between training, between getting ready for training, doing preparation work for games. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's definitely not easy. A lot of times it's early mornings, it's trips, it's missing classes, it's making up work. So there's a a lot that goes into it. And I was very aware that I was not going to be continuing at that sort of level afterwards because I wasn't good enough. And there's just frankly, not a ton of opportunities in the United States at a lower level to work your way up. Whereas you know, in other countries in Europe, South America, there's lower levels where you can make enough to live and hopefully continue to improve in your you know early 20s and maybe progress, maybe not. But anyway, I kind of saw that it was the end. And I said, I didn't want to look back and have not given it my very best at any point during that time and wish I had done. And I said, you know, it's three months out of my life. You know, I have my whole life to do anything else I want to do. You know, let's give it a shot and see what happens. So it was kind of that, you know, knowledge that there was a pretty definitive end to what I was doing. Well, that's interesting. I mean, we never know really what's going to come our way and what and where and why we're oftentimes going to find motivation to give us that 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, you started out in working for a real estate company, which is mm-hmm. uh, somewhat unusual for uh, many entrepreneurs. Tell us about that working experience and what you gained from that and why it is that eventually you decided to transition to your own company. Yeah, so a, a little m- more background after college, I kind of floundered around a little bit, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, where I was going to fall. So I did some coaching for a little bit. I worked for a stockbroker company and doing some cold calls and got licensed, but pretty much hated that and really did not like the business and company I was working for from a moral perspective. But I was pretty fortunate that my mom and my cousin decided they were going to start flipping houses and bought a course for it. And they were gracious enough to invite me along to see if I wanted to do and participate. So that's how I got introduced to it. That was back in January of 2016. So we started trying to do that nights and weekends and nothing ever came of it. But what did come of it was meeting a bunch of people and networking. And we started looking at other things like flipping out of state. We looked at tax deeds. And then eventually we met a guy by the name of John Cohen, who was one of the owners at Toro. But we got started with him working on smaller multifamily deals out of state. So out of New York, so up in uh, Covington, Kentucky. And then we also did the first deal down in Jacksonville, Florida. And while I was doing that, I was still working my other job and kind of hated it. And I wanted to give real estate a real shot. But the stuff we were doing just frankly was not even close to enough to support me. And it's Mm -hmm. not like I was making a ton, but it just wasn't enough and wasn't quick enough. And I frankly didn't want to live at home. I enjoyed living on my own. So got talking to John and him and his partner, Don, were having some decent growth and taking on a bunch of deals. And they were talking about bringing in extra help. And we kind of both just sat there and said, let's give it a trial basis. I think we did like a three-month... You know, We kind of agreed to like mm-hmm. a three-month trial to see how it goes. I was making... I don't know. I think they were giving me like 300 bucks a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, let's give it a try. I hate my job now. This is what I want to do. So let's try it. Hopped over there in August of 2016. And then stayed there for about four and a half years. And eventually I was running everything in Florida. So we grew that portfolio from nothing to a thousand units worth about 70 million. While I was there, Toro acquired about 4,000 units in total worth about 300 million. So, 
know, my primary responsibility was Florida, but I was also mm-hmm. helping out with several of the other deals, not all of them. You know, I didn't necessarily do too much, but I would be exposed to what they were doing and see the investor updates and just have conversations in the office. So I had some decent exposure to it, but definitely not my uh, primary or even secondary responsibility for some of them, but got really good exposure to them and the business and and all that stuff. And then COVID hit and I was just kind of back at home working from home. And um, you know, a large part of my job was finding new deals and that kind of went away. And I saw it as a good buying opportunity. So I put some money together with myself and some family. And we put a 16 unit deal in Jacksonville under contract. We had no intention of self-managing or or I had no intention of moving down or leaving. But kind of through the process, I had a lot of people ask me if that's what I was doing, if that was my ticket out, if that's if I was making a shift. Even John asked me that. And you know, God's honest truth was I I didn't. It was just I wanted a deal without investors and on my own in a place that was going to go well and you know grow that nest egg on the side and take all the things I learned at Toro on you know 100, 300, 500 unit properties and bring it to a you know a smaller size deal that I thought had a lot of upside. But eventually, kind of thought about it a lot, sat down and said, "Well, maybe now's the time." You know, I was turning, I was about to turn twenty nine, and I started just trying to do the same thing of just like, "Well, what's the reasons to do it? What's the reasons not to do it?" And really, the only reasons not to do it was fear, and I didn't want fear to dictate my decision making. And in a similar vein, I didn't want to turn eighty and look back and regret not doing it. I felt my worst case scenario was I go down in six months' time. I hate it, and I could just move back to New York and or find another job or figure it out. And it's not that bad of a you know downside scenario. So decided I was going to do it. Moved down, uh, and since then we've acquired five deals, roughly worth twenty five million. One of which is a a new development deal. And yeah, we're just rolling along. Interesting trajectory there, Chris. You don't sound like a New Yorker. Um, I never would have guessed that that's where your origins were at. So you moved from New York to Florida. That really is quite a shift culturally and certainly geographically. But of course, the fascinating thing to me about that particular move, Chris, is that you built out a vertically integrated company, which means that essentially you were doing development up through asset, well, property management and asset management, the whole entire shebang there, which you were not doing for Torah. So you took on a uh, a whole lot more in terms of making that shift. Tell us about that transitional period. The decision to move down and really take over the property management and the construction management was twofold. One, I was kind of looking for something new and challenging. And I had always felt my lack of knowledge of property management and construction while at Toro would have been helpful if I knew more. You know, I think a lot of the problems we ran into when we were operating deals from New York was oftentimes a lack of understanding and communication between 
the different parties involved. You know, us not really understanding why property management was doing something one way, us not really understanding why our GCs were doing something, them not understanding why we're making decisions. And it, you know, it, I wouldn't say there was any real large problems, but oftentimes those things can become frustrating, right? When there's a feeling of somebody not understanding why you want something or an understanding of why isn't something getting done or why it's taking so long. And I felt that if I understood it more, it would only make me better at what I was doing. So again, in kind of that worst case scenario that I talked about, I said, all right, even if I go down for six months, I'm going to be doing property management for six months. Even if I go back to another job, I felt it's only going to make me that much better at what I was doing anyway, which is not really a downside. Or it's just going to give me a greater appreciation for what property managers and you know GCs do, things of that nature. But kind of the real reasons were kind of that challenge. And then two, I just felt that the potential operations of a property, the potential is higher when there's one company overseeing everything than when there's multiple companies overseeing everything. By all means, there are probably several people that could be doing a better job than me right now. I'm not saying I'm the world's best operator. I'm not saying I'm the world's best vertically integrated company. I've still got plenty to learn. But I do think by having one set of values, one set of way of doing things, one set of expectations, one kind of guiding force from top to bottom, that the potential is higher. And I think that in a 10, 15, 20-year period, we have the potential to come out above a lot of other people. So some short-term growing pains for sure. But I think in the long term, it's all going to work out. And again, in three years, maybe I change it and I say, screw it. I don't want to manage properties anymore. It's a waste of my time. I'm not good at it. And there's people that can do better and I can shift and change, but it's only going to make me better at evaluating those people in the future and or staying on top of them and having better relationships. Chris, that all makes sense. And it's really quite fascinating. I think you're absolutely right that a, a lot of people, particularly in management positions, they just don't have the solid foundation to be making the decisions that they often make. And it frustrates everybody in that whole chain because of just just a lack of basic understanding of those basic operating principles. Chris, do you do third-party property management or is your property management company strictly working on your properties? Currently, it's all our own properties. From when I've spoken to other people, I've heard property management is not a very high margin business, especially Mm -hmm. given the nature of the work. So frankly, I figure if I'm going to spend the time, energy, and effort to manage a property, the real money is on the ownership side. So why would I spend that time, energy, and effort on a deal where I'm not going to have any ownership in? I'm not 100% opposed to it in the future, but I think if we did do it, it would really require somebody that has more experience on the property management side. So when I moved down, I put together a whole 10-year plan. So you mentioned it very early on, our 10-year vision is to scale to 500 million uh, in assets under management. We'll probably acquire roughly 640 million, sell off roughly 100 and have 540, which gives us a little bit of wiggle room. But in that, I also created an org chart. I fully expect at some point to have like a head of property management, president of the property management, where they are the COO, basically the day-to-day person, maybe even a you know CEO mm-hmm. of that side. I don't know. 
but I don't want to be the head of property management and the quicker I can do it, the better. And if that person and I decide to open it up to third party, you know, that's going to be their operation to run and put together and make it work. So it might change in the future, but as of right now, enough on my plate to worry about. Well, I have done both uh, managed my own properties and third party property management and the third party property management is just something I just don't, I just don't enjoy the whole processes of that. It's a totally different ball game doing third party work as opposed to managing your own properties. And I guess the aspect of third party property management I really dislike is just being the person in the middle. And it is just an extraordinarily frustrating place for me to be. I really admire those people who have the capacity to do that. So you have built out uh, a 10-year plan, and you've uh, sketched out a tad bit of that. What provoked you to actually put together a 10-year plan? Why was that uh, important to you? I knew that going from my current position with Toro to starting my own thing was going to be significantly more work and significantly more stressful than what I was doing. And while I high-level knew that this is a business that can do very well. And many, many people have successful business and very profitable businesses and do very, very well for themselves. There's also many that are not vertically integrated. And I also wanted to make sure that it would support me in the early years. I wanted to make sure that the payoff was going to be worth it. And I also had heard about this study, basically, in, in very layman's terms that I know about it. But Essentially, it's if you blindfold a person and you put them out in the open and you ask them to walk in a straight line, uh, I believe it's they pretty much end up walking in a circle with about a 60-yard diameter. Hmm. And basically, what I took from that is if you don't know where you're going, you can't get there. So for me, it was coming up with some sort of a framework and a path to take to get there so that I could know along the way if I'm doing the things I need to do to get to the goal I'm working towards. And I'm very aware that that goal can shift over time. Mm -hmm. Like I said, three years in, if I decide not to manage properties anymore, that's fine. That's Mm -hmm. my decision. I only have to answer to me. Frankly, I don't care what people think about that decision, but I'm going to do the same thing of, okay, well, now I've got to reevaluate the business plan and where we're going and does that work. But if I was going to uproot my life leave a lot of family and friends back in New York. And luckily, I I do have some family and some friends down in Florida already. So it wasn't totally on my own, but I wanted to make sure that it was going to be worth it. And there was a path of progress. Well, Chris, tell our enlightened investors how they can get in touch with you and what it is you have to offer. Sure. So the best way to get a hold of me is by email. It's chris at jag-communities.com. That is our property management arm of the business. Equity side of the business is Jag Capital Partners, and our website is jagcapitalpartners.com. But yeah, if you want to get a hold of me for any reason, shoot me an email. If you have any interest in being a part of any of our deals, either email me or go to our website and fill out the form. You know, We can schedule an intro call and get you any deals going forward. I like to talk to anybody that's interested before letting them in a deal. For me, I think it's a, you know, a two-way street. I got to make sure that you're a good fit and you got to make sure that we're a good fit. If anybody wants to connect with me on social media, main ways are LinkedIn, 
to search Chris Grenzig or Instagram at Chris Grenzig. Those are kind of the the two ones I'm on. But you know, find me on Facebook, YouTube, anything else. I'm pretty much on it. And yeah, if I can help in any way, let me know. Happy to be of assistance. Enlightened investors, it has been a delight being with you once again today. Thank you, Chris, so much for sharing your expertise and knowledge with us. And thanks for being on our show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.